0: You are locked on Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. What up Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of Jane's dancing at the beginning of the locked on Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. We come to you after two Bengals practices have occurred. Since we've last talked to you, James, let's start with the biggest story of camp, which is continuing to monitor Joe Burrow's progress, his return from that knee injury, and how he's been performing in training camp. Also, have some topics to discuss on the offensive line with updates from Frank Pollock and Brian Callahan since we've last talked. And a couple of notes on the defense that we'll finish up with in segment three of the show. But Joe Burrow's recovery, he gets his first load management day in Zach Taylor's terms on Saturday when he didn't participate in the walkthrough. He got the walkthrough off in the morning before fans showed up for back together Saturday. And then he mm-hmm. had a little bit of a bounce back day, but there was a lot of consternation, a lot of scrutiny over his performance on Friday in particular when he struggled a little bit in 11-on-11s, and even 7-on-7s to some degree. Friday might have been the
1: worst practice I've seen Joe Burrow have since he became a quarterback for the Bengals. I mean, he was just, everything was off, and the defense dominated the day, and it didn't take a a rocket scientist to see that the defense just had the upper hand on, on the offense all day long, and that wasn't just Burrow. It's not like Chase was running free, or Higgins was running free, and we'll get more into the, the cornerback play later, but to me, there was some concern there, and I think a lot of media members noticed it. And it was like uh, I, and I described it to you before we started recording, like a dark cloud was hanging over the head of the practice field across from Paul Brown Stadium. And uh, you know, all these media members were discussing it. And there was a time where he rolled out and just floated a ball that he would normally hit in seven on seven. Uh, another time in red zone, same thing. The ball floated on him a bit. Um, and the, the the thing is, it just felt like he was tired. Like it just felt like he was, you know, his he was getting his body up and motivated and, and ready and trying to push it, and it needed maybe some rest. And and the crazy part is, Jake is as bad as it was Friday. I thought Saturday he looked much more crisp, looked much like uh, what we expect him to look, and much closer to that. And it's not like there was any rest in there, really. The only thing is he didn't do is he didn't go through the walkthrough. Like you mentioned, Zach Taylor is the first time he held Burrow out of the walkthrough, so that's good because it gets him off of his feet a bit. And then you have the off day on Sunday. But the the zip was back on Saturday. A lot of his passes were on the line. He completed a a real nice uh, downfield out route to Jamar Chase, had a nice completion to T. Higgins for a touchdown in red zone. And it looked more like Joe because this time of year, I should have prefaced it with this, defenses usually win early on in camp. That's just how it usually works, anyways. You got a quarterback coming back. And I, I just I think he was tired Friday and it caught up with him a bit because they had the conditioning test and then they had four straight days of practice. And on day three of that practice, it looked like he was tired. And the good news is, is it's three days on, one day off from here on out. So Sunday's an off day, then they're off on Thursday with three practices in between.
0: And I think that this has got to be expected to some degree for Joe Burrow. I mean, he's he's doing the practices and then I'm sure he's going back and working with Nick Cosgray, doing the doing the rehab and he's getting his rehab work in. He, he's, I'm sure, pushing that knee and, and making sure that he can get it as strong as possible by the time week one comes around. And the other thing you mentioned, James, is defense is generally ahead at this point. And it sounds like Lou Anarumo is actually getting a, a pretty solid start to the year here with this defense, particularly in the secondary. Do you think that this is more of a a Joe Burrow issue? I mean, you mentioned some floaters. We, we've heard about some overthrows, some underthrows on deep ball. So certainly some accuracy downfield issues that we saw his rookie season. We've heard a little bit about in camp, but it sounds like the receivers aren't necessarily having a ton of success against Luana Rumo's revamped secondary. Do you think that the secondary deserves some credit here, or is this just Burrow in a vacuum?
1: No, I, I, one, the secondary absolutely deserves credit, I, I, and it isn't just Burrow. I, it's the offense in general and where we're at in training camp. Like the The two deep balls we've seen were one to Chase where it hung up a bit, and was a little underthrown, and Awuzie was able to make a play, and then the one that went through Chase's hands. That's it. We haven't really seen deep balls. There might be one or two more sprinkled in there, but for the most part, there hasn't been many downfield shots. You're not getting wide receiver, cornerback, one-on-ones, and it's, again, because they're trying to save these guys' legs. At this stage in camp, you don't want the soft tissue injuries, and, and so that's another part of it is I think that these defensive backs have an idea of where these receivers are going at least a bit, because they're not going downfield as much. And when you have that and you know that in your brain, and you're a veteran like Trey Wayne's or you're a veteran like Chido Beawuzier or Jesse Bates or Von Bell, you're going to be more confident and be able to make some plays. So they deserve credit because they are making plays. There's no doubt about it. At the same time, I, I just think it's it's still early and I expect the offense to to win a lot during practice, even though it didn't happen. Really, this this week, I would say that the defense won practice overall. If you had to to pit the offense for the uh, against the defense, and you were keeping score,
0: yeah, and there have been standout plays for a lot of guys in this secondary. We've seen pass breakouts from from Cheeto. We've seen some stuff from Trey Wayne's getting in passing lanes uh, yesterday on Saturday with breaking up a pass intended for T Higgins. We've seen Vod Bell get into passing lanes and in his really closer to the line of scrimmage role is, is where I've seen him quite a bit. We've seen uh, Jesse Bates come up with a couple near interceptions and highlights off of deflected balls or just poorly thrown. But actually, I think both deflections he ended up almost intercepting or, you know, Jordan Evans maybe got in the way of one of them as we discussed the other day. So certainly some some highlights for the secondary, and, and that's a promising sign with how high people are on this wide receiver core. So y- you credit where they're due. We haven't talked a lot about the defense yet generally throughout training camp because it's, it's kind of tough when they're not full contact, when they're not even full pads yet, especially mm-hmm. for the trench stuff. Uh, it, it's just harder to block guys, I think, without pads on. You're a little bit limited in the trenches. So really excited to see those guys when the pads come on on Tuesday and then get to talk a little bit about how that stuff is looking when they can go at each other a little bit. But for now, I think we're going to remain mostly focused on the offense and and watching Joe Burrow. You remember last year, of course, Joe Burrow did have some ups and downs in training camp. And there was some point when he was like, "Okay, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to dominate a practice. And he had that real nice bounce back day. And I wonder mm-hmm. if or when that's going to come this year.
1: Now, hey, it might be Tuesday. might be the first day of pads. And it, look, it, heck, it, it could be Monday because he actually gets a rest day. And that's going to be the thing. How does Zach Taylor balance playing him in practice, right? Getting him ready for September 12th and also resting him because he's going to have to rest some and he's never going to be Joe Burrow's never going to come to the sideline and say, man, coach, I can't practice tomorrow. I'm exhausted. He's never going to do that. And we know that. So that's a, that's a delicate balance that the Bengals have to figure out.
0: There's also a delicate balance. I think brewing in the offensive line competition, we've heard a lot about Jackson Carmen and his need to earn his way up the depth chart, starting with Zach Taylor's press conference before training camp and we got some more insight into that competition and what's going on on the offensive line from Frank Pollock and Brian Callahan late last week. We'll get back to that offensive line conversation coming up next.
1: Are you trying to gain weight like Jonah Williams did this offseason? He put on roughly 10 pounds as he tries to anchor the left side of the Bengals offensive line. Cause Frank Pollock wanted him to, and we're going to talk about that coming up, or maybe you're trying to lose weight either way. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet, and it can help you get there. It can help you achieve your fitness goals, whether you're trying to shed the LBs, gain the LBs, get stronger, because they're packed with protein, they're low in calories, they're low in sugar, and and they're going to help you get there. And and the best part is those macros. They fit any workout plan, any diet plan you're on. It should fit because the, the macros are exactly what you're looking for. Uh, in your workout regimen. And the best part outside of that is you're going to save 15% off right now at built.com on all nine of their amazing flavors. Plus the limited edition flavor. Heck, I had Joe Danneman of Fox 19 here in Cincinnati. Ask me about built bars because he heard us talking about them. He's in on the movement. I've got friends in on the movement. You should do the same thing and get on the built plan at built.com use promo code lock 15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com.
0: It's a, it's a movement now, huh? The, the built bar movement, movement. huh?
1: It's a movement. It's a Uh, movement, man.
0: I don't know if this cheapens the idea of movements or if, if it's just that powerful you know, movement generally reserved for something substantial going on in society, but also used to discuss what offensive linemen do to their opponents. And we got to see a little bit of that on Saturday with all the extra video footage coming from fans. I finally got to see some Deontay Smith clips. I I saw him pull around a tight end, get out in space and do a good job of getting to a defensive back, driving him from the numbers to the sideline. He Seemed like he lost his balance a little bit out there and got thrown a little bit at the end of the play. But to me, it looked like he did his he did his job and opened up a pretty nice lane for Puka Williams. Or not Puka Williams, who was in on that play? Travion Williams was in on that particular play. So I enjoyed the clips that those of you that sent me clips of Deontay Smith. I've been waiting, as I mentioned in a previous episode, to see Deontay Smith for this entire camp period. But the focus has really been... Mostly on Jackson, Carmen, although as you mentioned, James, in your wonderful built bar discussion there, uh, Jonah Williams gaining some weight at the behest of Frank Pollock.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I find it fascinating, interesting, or whatever you want to say, because we talked about the physique changes of some of these guys. And then Jonah comes up, and he did this between OTAs and the start of camp. That's when they had this discussion. So it's pretty quick here. So Jonah had to change his diet a bit, had to uh, get stronger, and the good news is he said he he feels like he's moving just as well. well, you know, just as fast, just as athletic. And and Frank was like, oh yeah, he's got to gain weight. <laughs> he's he's little. He's got to gain weight at, at left tackle, and he moves well, and he's got the the technique and everything like that. And, and the the thing that excites me most about this is Jonah. To me, he obviously technically sound. He's just really good at technique and hand placement and stuff like that but the margin of error when he's going up against miles garrett is so thin because he isn't this giant human not that he i mean compared to us absolutely giant but he's not giant for a by starting left tackle or all pro left tackle standards right and and that's obviously where he wants to be one day at least a pro bowler and and so I, i think that that's what he's trying to do is give himself a little bit more margin of error when it comes to technique where if he isn't perfect and he's at 75% on a particular play, it doesn't completely crush him that, that he isn't 100% technique-wise. So that's uh, my layman's terms way of putting it. Why I think uh, he gained weight is to, to try to help him anchor and help him you know stand up and, and survive against some of these beasts that are in the AFC North now because there's uh, some really, really good pass rushers.
0: Yeah, I think that's especially true when it comes to the bull rush and, and the anchor you discussed there. You know You don't necessarily need... Great size to do a lot of what he probably is being asked to do. And at 305, I mean, if that's what he was before, it's generally adequate size for the NFL, but maybe in terms of moving players in the run game, having a few more pounds, uh, it gives you a little bit more force in that area. gives you a little bit more of an ability to, to maybe jump set some guys that are getting you with a bull rush. if They get underneath you just gives you a little bit more power to work with, obviously, because that's how physics work. Uh, You know, pretty, pretty basic stuff there. Forces, Mass times velocity. Everyone remember that one from high school. So, uh, you know, makes I sense don't. for <laughs> makes sense. Okay, make makes sense for Jonah. And uh, you know, we'll see how his mobility is impactful. Watch how he's working. We'll we'll see how he's moving throughout training camp, throughout the preseason, because I'm sure he'll play there. The other guy that I think everyone's keeping a very close eye on is Jackson Carmen, who continues to be down the depth chart, and this is not really a change from the last time we've discussed it, which was Zach Taylor's press conference and seeing him working with the later team, certainly not the first team, but on Saturday in particular, working at left guard, not the right guard position we thought he was competing for, so getting some versatility into the mix. And we, we had some comments from both Frank Pollock and Brian Callahan essentially saying, yeah, he's a rookie. He has to come in and earn it. Everyone's expected to compete. And he still can earn it. I think that was my biggest
1: takeaway from here is, Let's not bury him yet as this, you know, underachieving second rounder. Or, you know, it just, it felt like it, it, the same thing with Burrow, right? These camp narratives, they can take over. And I I think that our job, and hopefully we did a good job with the Burrow part, and, and I'm going to try to now, don't press panic on August 1st or August 2nd, because you, you don't need to. The only thing that's going to really cause you to panic on those dates is injuries. And, and so, yeah, Jackson, Carmen, Heck, maybe he does like left guard better or thrive more at left guard. But he is a big, big man. And I know Frank Pollock was drilling the hell out of him. One thing uh, that stood out to me during the, um, the, the Saturday session with all the fans, Carmen came out after a rep and Pollock let him know about something. And I got a few photos of Pollock letting him know. And then one of his teammates said something. And it wasn't anything egregious to me. But I just think he's going through it right now. And I, I think I stole that line from from Brian Callahan. But that's just it, is he's going to have to uh, figure it out from a, a, a where he needs to go and all of that standpoint. But to me, he's a really good athlete. He's really strong. Once the pads come on, he might feel a little bit more comfortable. And, heck, Jamar Chase is going through it right now too. I have a clip, and, and maybe I'll tweet it out, of Chase – it's seven on sevens. He runs into Tyler Boyd. Boyd still catches the ball, but it was clearly uh, Jamar did something wrong because they they both ran into each other, and, and then Boyd caught the ball and ran downfield because it's seven on sevens. It's not like you're going to get hit or anything. So right now the rookies are, are trying to make it through. Carmen's no different. Uh, the veterans have the, the edge, and can he beat Xavier Suofilo out or Quentin Spain out? I don't think he's be- beating Quentin Spain out. I just don't. I think Spain's possessed. And, uh, and really determined to show that he's a starter in this league still. And uh, not that Xavier Suofilo isn't, but I, I would say that it's more likely that he could try to find a way to to beat out Xavier Suafila, especially given the injury history there. Uh, y- you never know. But um, yeah, it, but Carmen's got his work cut out for him, no doubt.
0: Speaking of the offensive line, just really quick, one note that stood out to me when I was seeing all the, the clips from, from various people in the stands the T. Higgins touchdown pass came mm-hmm. with a perfect pocket. And that is not a particularly fast developing play. T. Higgins coming from the opposite side of the field, running across the back of the end zone all the way to the corner on the other side of the end zone. And I know it's no pads, and maybe the defensive line is not. I feel like they're going full. It was 11 on 11 in the red zone. And the offensive line did a great job. Joe Burrow had a perfect pocket on that play so hopefully not an indictment of the defensive line hopefully an indicator that you know there's some progress happening there on the offensive line and both sides of the ball are playing well but that really did stand out to me on that T Higgins touchdown in particular
1: yeah it's a really good point point. and Trey Hendrickson wasn't out there right you know Larry Ogunjobi not out there and uh he's still it seems like he's day to day so it doesn't seem too serious but certainly uh, would be surprised if he practices on Monday. We'll we'll know that when it comes. But uh, that being said, you're right. If you if you could guarantee Burrow a pocket like that most of the time, he's gonna he's gonna find someone. And, and he, most quarterbacks are right, but he's just so good at diagnosing and the pre snap reads and and processing that I think he would be able to find uh, the open man. What nine times out of ten, I would say, because someone's gonna get open if you have a pocket that that clean for that long.
0: Yeah. And that's what you like to see from this Bengals offensive line, especially early in camp, especially before pads come on. And we'll keep, of course, more of an eye on it as Joe Burrow has more and more scramble drills. Sounds like he had a bit of a scramble drill on Saturday, navigating the pocket, having to roll out. And he's got to get used to it. That's part of football. And. It's uh, hopefully we're not cringing at it and grimacing in the near future because we feel very confident in his knee. But I agree, James. I I have that same reaction when I think about it right now. Coming up next, let's talk a little bit about Logan Wilson, who we got a little bit of an update on. Cali Kareem working with the ones on Saturday. Sounds like he had a pretty nice day. And again, pads aren't on. But talking about a few of these guys that maybe are a little bit lower on the depth chart, or in Logan Wilson's case, expected to take a big leap. Coming up next.
1: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Maybe it's the NBA where the Los Angeles Lakers, they've done it again. They had another star and Russell Westbrook to go with LeBron James and Anthony Davis or with NFL looming. I get it, right? Joe Burrow, comeback player of the year. Maybe Joe Mixon, comeback player of the year. We'll have to talk about Joe. Maybe uh, Mixon, that is. Maybe Mixon will actually talk to the media coming up soon. We'll see about that. But... Uh, wherever you, you want to place your wagers, whether it's NFL or NBA bet online is the place to do it. You got UFC, you got MMA, major league baseballs, the Reds try to make a playoff push all in one spot. You're watching the games anyway. You might as well make some cash while you do it. So go to BetOnline.ag right now. And when you sign up, make sure you use promo code locked on you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that simple. BetOnline.ag, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline,
0: your online sportsbook experts. Did that trade happen? Russell Westbrook to LA, is that done? It's done. Well, it's not officially
1: done, but it's done. Yeah, it's agreed to and everything, yeah. Disgusting.
0: All right. Well, let's not go down that path too much and let's talk Bengals here. Logan Wilson, the news there, the Bengals really expected to be the leader of that second unit. The the second level of that defense is wearing the radio helmet this year. Now, it's not necessarily a surprise, but that is something that we learned late last week. And it sounds like he's been pretty solid in camp. Again, linebacker position without pads, hard to see too much, but What have you seen from Logan Wilson, James, in the time that you've been able to watch him at Bengals camp?
1: Almost had an interception on Saturday. One of those diving ones where it it hit the ball, it hit the ground right before he was able to get his hands under it. It was a batted pass. Uh, But no, I've seen, again, it's tough. It is. But I think Logan Wilson thus far is clearly their best linebacker. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. But I noticed 55 more than I noticed the other guys. And he's going, he's running with the ones. So I, I think that goes, um, is worth mentioning. And he, he just, to me, he looks the part. He sounded much more confident. I, I can think back to his draft news conference, and part of it was because we were all on Zoom, and maybe he was just more comfortable having us in person. But Logan Wilson was very comfortable when we talked to him. And I don't remember him really being comfortable. And may, again, maybe it's because staring into a webcam is much different than uh, you know being in person. But he looked comfortable. He looked confident uh, and excited. And and I think that that he's uh, this is going to be a year where we learn a lot, obviously, about this linebacking group as a whole. But Logan Wilson, if he could take a step forward, maybe finally, Jake, finally, the Bengals might have that the linebacker that they've been looking for. And he doesn't need to be a Pro Bowler, right? But can he just be this solid, good-in-coverage, playmaking, you know, he's going to make some plays here and there type guy? I think he's capable of doing that. And obviously you need him uh, to know the X's and O's and stuff like that as well. And he um, was very confident when we asked him about that part of things on Saturday. So certainly, uh, certainly exciting to see. Uh, one other linebacker that, that I think deserves uh, a little mention here, Marcus Bailey continues to flash, and he's getting some uh, a significant amount of more playing time, I would say, this camp versus last camp. Part of that could have been injury, right, coming back from an ACL. Wouldn't be shocked at all if you see Marcus Bailey uh, a lot more than you did last season on defense.
0: And Marcus Bailey at the time was very much a lottery pick of a linebacker late in the draft and was a guy that was seen as a very solid, good player at Purdue before he dealt with those injuries. So... Sure. I mean, this is a guy that we talked about when they drafted him. There's upside here. And if they find some upside from one of these or maybe a few of these late round guys that they've drafted lately, then you, you, you certainly take that. I mean, they've not really found a lot out of late round guys in some of these darker, more more challenging years. And so if they can start to turn that around and find a little bit of success, find some contributors from some of these late-round players, such as Marcus Bailey. That's a boon for the depth and the strength of the roster because this team, as we know, has historically primarily built through the draft until recent years. The other guy that I wanted to mention here, James, is Khaled Kareem, who was in with the ones a little bit on Saturday with Trey Hendrickson getting the day off. This is a guy that we didn't really discuss once. I don't remember his name coming up more than maybe a handful of times in the entire offseason. And I think many fans were looking at him and thinking this is a fringe roster guy. Don't know if he's even making the team. And as a rookie from Notre Dame last year, I thought he was solid on a pretty bad defensive line. Not great by by any stretch of the word, but he, for a late round, mid round guy, I thought showed that he could play a little bit in the NFL, and it sounds like he had a pretty good day on Saturday and might be one of those first defensive ends off the bench at this point with the other guys uh, being the rookies, and some of them are hurt. Cam Sample not practicing, Wyatt Hubert out for the year. So Joseph Osai being the only other young guy out there right now. Um, maybe this means that Khalid Kareem is, is up there in the rotation at this point.
1: Yeah, it may be. And you're right. He was really overlooked. That's it's a good way to describe him. Overlooked. And to me, when you have young guys, again, these rookies, Joseph Osai, you know, Cam Sample, who's not out there yet, do due to a hamstring tweak that you hope you can get him out there. This is the perfect opportunity for yeah, I get he's a fifth rounder, but for Khalid Kareem to show, hey, I deserve to be in the mix here and i can make plays and and i've taken a step forward because that's the thing with these guys logan wilson akeem davis gaither marcus bailey you're hoping you see them take a big leap from year one to year two even t higgins as good as he was last year you want to see a big leap well the same thing goes for Khaled kareem and just because we haven't talked about him a ton doesn't mean he he isn't prepared to to try to make that leap and so that's what you need because Kareem is in that same boat as, as Bailey. Like, if you hit on him and he ends up being a contributor, even just for his rookie deal, like, that, to me, is such a win in their quest to not just bolster depth, but be good again, because you're going to need a lot of these guys to become hits. And Kareem, he, he's going to be a guy I, I would expect him to, to be able to potentially battle for that uh, second spot, I guess, behind one of these, uh, you know, top-flight, top-paid type guys, however you want to say it, with Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson both on the roster. Between the two, you commit over $100 million to him. So, uh, yeah, could he be in that mix after that? I, I absolutely think that's realistic. And we, we saw it on Saturday, and we'll see if he can keep it up and, and hold that spot.
0: Something to keep an eye on, at the very least. It looks like, you know, early in the season, you should expect Cal Kareem to be active on game days and participating, yeah. you know, playing 20-25% of this team's snaps and those guys are important because you think about Historically, like when the Bengals would take Geno Atkins off the field for a drive because you can't play entire games as defensive linemen, a lot of the times, defenses would really go at that. When he was the linchpin of their defense, not that Khalid Kareem is going to be the linchpin of the defense, but you need depth to be able to come in and still play adequate ball in the trenches. And so if Khalid Kareem can do that for them and provide that depth, Mm-hmm. which remains to be seen, something we'll keep an eye on, of course, as preseason games come around and that sort of thing, then, you know, that, that's a an arrow in the quiver for this defense, so to speak. And we'll watch these defensive guys a lot more, I think, as pads come on on Tuesday, really excited for that, really excited to maybe, I, I love talking about Joe Burr, who, by the way, also needs to take a second-year leap, speaking of guys that need to take a second-year leap, James. Yeah. Um, but... I'm excited to, to get the pads on and, and take a more holistic view to the team. Of course, Burrow is always the the top story coming off that ACL and being, you know, the primary hope and, and cornerstone of this franchise. But with the pads on, I'm sure we'll get more defensive talk coming up starting on Tuesday, probably after Tuesday's practice when the pads are on. So we've got a, another practice on Monday. So we'll be back after that for your next episode of the podcast. Pads not on on Monday as they're coming off of that off day. But we'll be here either way. We'll have your updates. And the good news for the Bengals is they've gotten through camp relatively healthy so far. And so knock on wood, we hope that continues this week. Until next time, Bengals fans, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. day, and have a good one.